Hey there, Annie and Julie here. We just wanted to pop in real quick before we dive into this episode and announce our new show name. We're excited to announce that we're rebranding the Investing for Good podcast as the Life and Money Show. Now, this new name reflects the broad focus of our episodes and guests thus far and allows us to tell even more stories about living a meaningful and intentional life by design while also making an impact. We're extremely grateful for your support and listenership as we've grown this podcast and are excited to begin this new chapter so we can bring you even more valuable stories and insights. With that, let's dive into the episode. I realized, wow, it created an extraordinary life. And I'll tell you the formula, but in any high rise, you know, you have to build a strong foundation, right? And and you need a good, strong backbone because, you know, life gets in the way and you need strong skin, you know, so like our curtain walls are always real strong. And of course, you need to batten down the hatches. So you got to get the, you know, the roof and the windows. On. You're listening to The Life and Money Show a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here together with Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Annie? I am great. I am sitting in our new home office. As you know, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of construction. I've never developed a property myself, and maybe that's someday, like way down the road, like building our own dream house uh, from the ground up. But right now, just doing renovation on the house is a big deal. You know, all the little decisions. It's like at, around every corner. It's like, uh-huh. do you want this or do you want that? And do you want this type of faucet or that? Do you want to do it faster or slower? It's like so many decisions. I know, and uh, it's intense. But it's really coming together. Well, that's good because I know this is your first time that you've really stayed somewhere long enough to do these kinds of like renovations on a home. You guys are all like, look at you guys. You're like all grown up now, like building a home, having a family. Like, (laughs) finally at that stage in our lives. I mean, oh my gosh, growing up until now, I think the longest I'd ever lived in one place was seven years. And we're coming up, I mean, we're here in Oakland now, seven years, but I was born in Beijing. Then we moved to Iowa, New Jersey, Fort Lee, New Jersey, which we'll talk about a little bit in this episode, then Memphis, Tennessee and Philadelphia and Vancouver, BC, and then here to the Bay Area. So definitely moved around a ton as a kid. And I was always, always fascinated by crowds and big city, which is part of what we talk about in this episode today featuring Ken Van Lu, who is, oh my gosh, he's so many things. He's an author, he's a claimed <laughs> educator, he's a speaker, he's a real estate coach. He created the modern wealth building formula, which he says is a formula that you can really apply not just mm-hmm. to real estate, but to business.
business or really to mm -hmm. anything in life. And he has had a really, really successful run as a skyscraper expert, which is just mm -hmm. fascinating to me. I've never met somebody who develops skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. I always assumed it was like, oh, I'll, I'll never talk to somebody like that. Or I'll <laughs> never, our paths will never cross. But here we are. And we got to, you know, pick his brain about, you know, how does a development deal work and what should you look for in something like that? And his story is just fascinating. Yeah, it was so cool to be able to pick his brain a little bit um, about um, from a passive investor standpoint, what does it look like to, you know, invest in, in a development deal? What are the risks? How do you eliminate the risks? We talked a little bit about, you know, who's the person who might be a good fit to invest in these deals. So it was cool to dig into that. But I thought it was interesting over the course of the interview. One thing that I kept hearing him bring up was a lot of references to Tony Robbins. And, you know, I think it's just so, you know, relevant and timely actually to all that we have going on right now in our lives too, because Tony has played a big role in our lives over the last couple of months. But I think, you know, when you're doing big things and Ken is such a, he's such a grounded person, you know, for all that he's done for over his career. I mean, he just is such a nice, kind, humble guy. But I think a lot of that is, you know, it goes back to like mindset and working on yourself and understanding who you are and who other people are and how you can, you know, impact the world. And I got a lot of that out of Joe from him. And, uh, you know, he did definitely put a lot of emphasis on that as well. So yeah, yeah definitely big on the contribution and paying it mm -hmm. forward, which he mentions a couple of times in the conversation. So just a really cool guy and very kind and generous and grounded, like like you said, for the listeners out there towards the end of the show, we do get into a little bit about syndication, which as you know, is our specialty and our sweet spot and our passion. So if you are new to the world of real estate syndication, a great place to start is to get a free copy of our book, Investing for Good. And to do that, all you have to do is go to goodegginvestments.com slash book, and you'll get all the details there on how to get your free hardcover copy. All right. And before we dive into the episode, we did want to highlight some listener love. This one comes from David98971. And David says, you go girls. Finally, a real estate podcast show that I enjoy. Thank you for creating this opportunity for people interested in the real estate world. Well, David, we are right there with you. We are total real estate nerds and not ashamed of it. We love talking real estate and sharing not just real estate, but all sorts of wealth building tips. So I'm glad that you're enjoying the show. And thank you to all of our listeners for your continued support. Okay, now with that, let's dive into our conversation with Ken Van Lu. Ken, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fabulous today. Just unbelievable and excited to be here today. Good. Me too, now that you're here. <laughs> so Ken, aside from being an acclaimed author and speaker, you are also one of Manhattan's most successful skyscraper experts. Now, that is just fascinating to me because I remember when I was younger, my family lived just outside of New York City, which we were just talking about. And I remember being just in complete awe of the skyscrapers every time we went into the city, not just this year 
size of the buildings, but also thinking about, gosh, how in the world do they build these things? All the work and the planning that must go on behind the scenes. And I still, to this day, it's still, it seems nearly impossible to me to break into that world. I just, I know very little about it, which is why we're thrilled to have you here Thank to you. talk about that and everything, all of your other achievements as well. So start by taking us back earlier in your story. Did you always know that you wanted to get into commercial real estate and development or how did that come to be part of your journey? Great question. Yeah. And, and skyscrapers, which maybe I'll, I'll lead in a little bit later, you know, I analogize building a skyscraper to an extraordinary life. And I could share that thought in a minute, but let me get into how it all started. I was a football player. I guess I could say I learned some gridiron experience where I, I had to kind of move the ball forward, if you know what I mean. And when I started, you know, educating myself, I had a hard time because I I was football and you know, I was more attracted to the cheerleaders, you know, and instead of studying and things like that. And it, it took me six years to, to get out of college. And I finally, I had a dream when I started, I was going to be a civil engineer, but I didn't know it was going to be a six year journey. So yeah, you know, I always tell people I'm like everybody else. I put my pants on one leg at a time, you know, and I transferred, met my wife at my first college while I was playing football. We're still together today, 38 years later. And, you know, I transferred to New Jersey Institute of Technology with a dream to become a civil engineer. And fortunately, you know, I kind of learned how to study thanks to my wife. I met her in calculus class. And, you know, I, I that's won. where all the best girls are calculus. I, I'll class. tell you, calculus. <laughs> and physics, you know, she, I, and I was like, and she was dressed with the lab coat, hair up. I said, she reminds oh, me of yeah. like Lois Lane from Superman, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, you know, so she taught me how to study. And when I went to NGIT, you know, I started to excel and I graduated with civil engineering. But I was one of those kind of guys you may know. I, you know, I like to talk, you know, get out there, make it happen. You know, in my senior year of high school, I worked on this major dam rehabilitation and I liked construction. And, you know, I graduated and I won this award. It was a, it was a site design award where they gave you a 13 acre site. They said it's zoned one acre lots to develop it, you know, design, do the whole design. So me and my friend in 1985 did a design on auto. It was Versicad back at the time. AutoCAD didn't even uh, exist then. And we win this award. And I was like, wow, can I ever develop a piece of property? That'd be really cool. But no, 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 I'm in engineering, you know? So I go and I get this job and I'm learning site development. And it was just about the time Robert Allen wrote a book, you know, how to buy real estate with no money down. But I had no money. I couldn't even afford a car. You know, I, my first car didn't start. I paid 700 bucks, you know, <laughs> make a long story, you know, but you know, I, I went on and I started this civil engineering career. It lasted a very short time. So six months into it, I said, you know, I had, I was working for an attorney at night. They said, you know, why don't you uh, come build this building for us in Poughkeepsie? I'm like, are you kidding me? I could build a building. So I moved to Poughkeepsie. I was about 22 years old. I had just graduated 21, 22 years old, six months out. I had won this award and I go up, I build my first project and it was like through the snow. And I learned how to like build during the winter with like building tents and heat. And next wait, thing wait, you wait, know, you say build are you talking like you were you were managing teams or were you like actually like in the hard hat on and like part of the crew got it good good thing so i was hired as a project manager project super to take a 32 unit building out of the ground i didn't even have no wow. idea what i was doing i was a civil engineer <laughs> so I, I get up there and i kind of just faked it till i make it one of the guys that actually did all my windows he's still my friend 40 years later make a long story short i build this 32 unit project here i'm 22 years old and I became like really confident. I remember calling my girlfriend at the time, my wife today and going, I'm going to come to New Jersey. I just saw an ad in the paper. I'm coming to build 
high rises for the left rack organization. And about a month later, after I finished the building, I'm working doing two 33 stories high rises on the water as the project super managing like 600 men. And I really learned how to build. Like after that, I worked for a developer. I became an expert builder. I went and worked for the number one builder in a CM construction company in the world. They restored the Statue of Liberty. And I was put on a billion dollar project as a super. And I earned a license to build 100,000 square foot, huge buildings as a site safety manager. Then the engineering came back, like, you know, after I failed the the PE test five times, (laughs) I I became a professional engineer and I had my site safety license. And during all this time, I'm like, oh, you're behind. Took you six years to get out of college. You're not smart enough. I kept going to school at night. I worked from like five in the morning till midnight every day for 20 years, 25 years. And I ended up getting two master's degrees. And I'm sitting there and you got all these credentials but this doesn't show you how to make money. I had the twins. I couldn't even afford to like buy formula and diapers because I was buying here. I'm here. I'm an engineer going, okay, two kids, uh, 11 diapers (laughs) per day. That's 22 per day. Oh my God, that's 650 diapers I need this month, right? I'm like, and the formula used to come out of like Costco and the the cart was all filled up, you know? But, you know, I used to stand on top of the high rises, like you said, in Fort Lee. And I had built buildings in Jersey. And my, one of my mentors said, you know, if you want to be the best in the world, you got to go to New York. That's like the, that's like the all-star game. You know, you have to get out there. Once you play in the all-star game, you can play anywhere in the world. That's what was unique about New York, but that's kind of how it all started. And then I looked out one day and I had worked myself up from super to go working for large developers. I was a big, shot with a lot of ego, nice suits, SVP. And, you know, I had a dream. I left that big world. I went and worked for a small little company, built it up. And in 1997, I opened up KJV Development and I developed a $17 million project, 113 bed assisted living with none of my own money and other people's experience. So I say OPM, but, you know, it was a win-win situation for everybody. And then I never looked back. I didn't know that I did the formula back then. And then as I proved it over and over again, all the way up to 2007, when I we did 137 fix and flips and wholesales in one year, I was like, okay, I need to write this up and move on to the next show here. So, you know, that's part of my story. You got a lot to fill yeah. in, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, just a, a tiny part, just 20 years working from 5am to midnight, just getting master degrees on the side, you know, no big deal. Just, you know, oh, my goodness, there's so much there. But you alluded to uh, the formula a few times. So yes. tell us a little bit more about that formula that you discovered. Yeah, you know, the, the modern wealth building formula, which is the book that I wrote, you know, how to master real estate investing as after I finished the book, I was like, you know, this is more about life, you know, and that's what I was telling you about the building high rises where, you know, at one day I sat back and you know, I didn't write this in the modern wealth building formula, but I realized, wow, it created an extraordinary life. And I'll tell you the formula, but in any high rise, you know, you have to build a strong foundation, right? And, and you need a good, strong backbone because, you know, life gets in the way and you need strong skin, you know, so like our curtain walls are always real strong. And of course you need to batten down the hatches. So you got to get the, you know, the roof and the windows on, you know, so that you can kind of deal with life. But the real heart of the matter and the inside is all the MEPs and the finishes. And, and as I built all these, you know, these high rises, I'm like, wow, you know, I built a pretty cool life and I should write that book next. But what I really wanted to do was articulate kind of what I had done, you know, and how I managed to develop a $17 million project and sit there and dream like, wow, I can pay myself nine different ways. And if I pay myself this development fee, I'll take a little bit less equity and I'll create this entity and give these guys first rate of 
first uh, writer refusal to invest. And just, I didn't know what I was doing. I had a vision to, and we'll talk maybe at the end of it, you know, it's really to, to pay it forward. It was one of my favorite movies. And, you know, that's just kind of how it, it's been evolving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh man. But, but, so the, you kinda... but the formula, you know, yeah. not, go ahead. You might want to ask. Yeah, tell it, no, no. Tell us about the formula. Yeah. So the formula started off with like, you know, like how did I find fun and facilitate projects, you know? So when I first started, you know, I was developing and I was like, okay, how did I find that project and how did I fund it? You know, because I went through this whole tranche process where, you know, I was raising 400,000 in the first tranche, 400,000 in the second tranche. And, you know, I was like, okay, so I find, I found it, I funded it through a $17 million process through the New Jersey EDA. And then I facilitated this whole development in 13 months and paid myself like close to a million dollars. And I was like, wow, that fine fun and facilitate things pretty cool. But, you know, as you go on in life, you know, it's really, you know, I guess you could say, you know, one of my mentors, you know, a little bit of Tony Robbins, you know, requires some personal development because you you know sometimes the you know the teacher only appears when the student's ready and through that time you know I had to kind of develop and I proved it over the years and I said okay this modern wealth building formula how to master real estate investing how to find fun and facilitate and how it blankets on any type of real estate development so you can use the formula whether you're doing wholesale fix and flip commercial real estate development you know and as I started to say before you know as I started to look at it the book actually almost applies to every business right because you have to find fun to facilitate any business. The techniques about self-mastery, process mastery, influence mastery, some of the things that it touches upon are so key to what your show's about, life and money, you know? It, you know, and all of a sudden I realized, you know, it's I'm not necessarily a developer. I'm here for another whole reason, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not about the modern wealth building formula. It's about changing people's life. Yeah, you know, the pandemic, uh, you know, before the pandemic was that, you know, 42% of Americans are retiring with less than 10 grand. So, you know, my philosophy was get people to join hands, teach them the formula, figure out when, when, there's people out there with money. There's people that want to step up and lay the formula out for people to follow. And, you know, that's where it all came about. I love your analogy around the the skyscraper and the extraordinary life. I mean, just looking at the, the events of the past year, I mean, those people who went through it with that strong foundation, that strong backbone in place, I mean, what a world of difference that makes versus if you didn't have that and then, you know, it's like the three little pigs blowing over the straw house. You know, it's a very, very different experience. Yeah. Yeah. New I York is New York is challenged right now, you know, and uh, we're doing everything. We got to disrupt. We got to figure it out. I drove 42nd Street yesterday and I actually felt good energy. So it was nice. <laughs> you know, it was nice because there was a time it was eerie. I, I looked up Madison Avenue both ways and there was no buses, no cars. I'm like, ooh, I never seen this before. Ooh. It's like a yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Really. <laughs> Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. 
We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations. And as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, which was with that initial 32 unit building yeah. and that you built from the ground up and you saw the success so early on in life at 22 and you talked about some mentors you had along the way, but I'm curious, you know, cause we've had a few different people on the show who have talked about early successes. And some people say, you know, it was great. I had this great momentum and it led to X, Y, Z. And some people say that early success was the worst thing. Cause I thought I could fly. I thought I could do anything. And then I hit rock bottom. Yes. So I'm curious on your journey, how did that early success shape your journey? Wow. Great, great question. I had early success and, and I was the kind of the go-to guy, but it wasn't necessarily always for me. And I knew that if I wanted to contribute at the highest level, I had to kind of create what I had. And, you know, one of my, my mentors said, you know, Ken, it, with you growing up with nothing, most people like yourself before they're really, truly successful, you're going to lose it twice and then you're going to make all your money. So it was kind of interesting. My journey was phenomenal in a sense where, you know, I came out of the box really great. I finished this huge development, made all this money, rolled it into a waterfront development. You may have heard of Staten Island. It's one of the five boroughs that, you know, obviously you're from Fort Lacey, you know, looking out at Manhattan and the view was the World Trade Center. And it was a gated community where you'd walk out, walk along the promenade, get on the ferry and take it right to downtown Manhattan. And I was with Tony Robbins hanging out in Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, thought, you know, it was game over to be woken up at four o'clock in the morning to realize my best friend just perished. He worked for Cantor Fitzgerald and that uh, my view of my development, you know, left and we ended up losing a half a million dollars. And, you know, it was really just come back to New York City and, and deal with, uh, you know, my friend's two kids and helping help lead people. You know, it was a time in my life where, you know, anybody could, you know, jump off the deep end. You know, it's like, okay, what's going on here? You have to be a leader's leader. And I remember Tony telling us, like, your feelings are based on what you focus on. And I didn't watch it on TV for almost 10 years. And that journey was great because I recovered and we came out strong. You know, I uh, went out and probably built close to a thousand units with large developers and in New York City, you know, after that. And then in 2008, when we were at the top of the world again, I had just finished 240 Park Avenue. Tom Brady came to check out the penthouse with Giselle. 
was pretty cool. You know, I was at the top of the world. We bought the toy building. We bought a, a city block, St. Vincent's Hospital. It was like, wow, we're going to do a billion dollars in construction. And guess who our partner was? <laughs> it was Lehman Brothers. So, you know, in 2008, you know, we lost like $300 million, $330 million in one day. And, and then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be a magician. <laughs> uh, you know, that was a hobby that I had as a kid. And I literally started doing magic for a short time before I got out of the funk um, to come back strong, then open up a concrete company, do another 300 units, and then realize, you know what, I'm going to go, I had a calling, you know, to New Jersey, to a company called Flipping USA that I partnered for two years that led to the book. And now I'm just having, you know, I'm trying to have some fun. I got a couple of big developments in the pipeline and it's just exciting. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. I'm curious to know, like, you know, with that, with your background, my goodness, I mean, it sounds like there isn't anything you haven't done yet in real estate. So tell us a little bit about what are you doing now? What have you been doing maybe for the last year or so, you know, since the pandemic has started? I'm always curious to hear how people have shifted away from what they were typically doing and how they've adjusted to everything that's going on, you know, with the pandemic. So what are, what are you up to now? Yeah, great question. You know, cause we have, you know, a, a pretty decent holdings of a bunch of medical buildings that are, you know, challenged, you know, fortunately we have properties. So for example, been able to, you know, as part of the formula, generate fees through syndicating certain portions of my development. Mm -hmm. And you know, I signed myself as a, a, up as a developer sell off a little bit, it generates cash, keep fees coming in, and then we create massive value. Like one property we have is a 24 acre property that I bought a $6 million mortgage for 2.8, syndicated it out for 3.7, sold off only 30% of a CVS that's paying me like $595,000 to build it out for them. It'll be an $11 million asset when I'm done. But with that move, I have restoration of a 100 store, 100 year old restaurant. I have 36 affordable units, 20 market rate, 23 thousand square foot office. And that's what I've been doing. You know, that's getting into planning board. We're doing engineering. We were filing our second set of plans by the end of the month. Um, I have another 13 acres I just captured. I'm doing a similar residential storage, multi-use um, gym variants. And then believe it or not, I'm getting ready because I think there's going to be opportunity. Obviously everybody's in it. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but multifamily, you know, we'll, we'll always look at, but maybe more on the build and hold side. And as you go into the build and hold side, you know, you'll find people that are going to want to get out or maybe you get a campus environment and then you can build another building. So I always like to get creative with adding extra value. You know, last week we looked at actually buying a campus. You know, my first thing, I just want to see the balance sheet, but it had two pads within the campus that, you know, you could add value. And that's where we have a little bit of a uniqueness that I'm trying to show people you can learn how to, you can use the formula to do entitlement work. You could use other people's experience and other people's money to pay yourself, get yourself going, make sure you surround yourself, of course, with advisors, but you know, it works. Mm -hmm. And where are you acquiring these, this land? Is it in, in New York or? It's actually, these two properties are in New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, New York right now, and the outskirts are, are happening. The city's a mess right now. Like, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint what's happening because the true numbers aren't coming out, but there's going to be a fallout. And then there's, there is some positives going on also, you know, there's, there's a lot of building owners that are upgrading and, and doing things. I was checking with some of the trades yesterday, which is a good sign, you know, because I honestly think New York will come back 
ultimately. Yeah, I see it all over the news that New York real estate's not not doing too good. Do you have any buy and hold stuff there in New York? Or no, we we have some retail stuff because mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, with all the units we did, we'd always sell off condos and we'd keep like the first floor. We have a Chase Manhattan Bank, a Starbucks. You know, so fortunately, we're fortunate. I I'm kind of glad, you know, on the residential side right now. I mean, commercial struggling. Most mm-hmm. of our tenants have hung in there because you know we're giving them incentives, but residential is hard because you know the governor's made mandates, people aren't paying rents, right. and have to come up with mortgage payments. So I think there's going to be you know there'll be more relief, and it all works itself out. I you know I'm I'm a little older than you young ladies here, but you know uh-huh. I've read it a couple cycles, and it'll work itself out. Just stay positive. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is where do you see us headed? I mean, you've seen clearly a lot more than Annie and I have, you know, she and I have been in real estate for the last 10, 11 years or so. So this will be our first or kind of second, I guess, big turn downturn since we've been in it. So where are we headed? What do you think is going to happen? Because I see a lot of things that don't make sense right now, you know, where multifamily is being overbid, single family homes still flying off the shelves, single family home rental properties flying off the shelves just doesn't really make a sense. A lot of people are out of jobs. Like, have you seen anything like this before? And where do you think we're headed? Yeah, we've never seen anything like this before. You know, markets are not really predictable right now because right. look at the metropolitan area. Like, I've never seen numbers like this in my whole life. Like mm-hmm. listings, top dollar, fighting. Like, there's no inventory. You know, but that's not the same throughout. I do believe. You know, and you know, even though there's the, I guess you'd say the the excitement around the pandemic, I truly truly believe we're just in another cycle. You know, it always works out where projects don't pencil out, then there has to be an adjustment. But I do believe one thing that's going to change because in my research and the people that I work with, there's like billions of dollars being shifted into um, single family homes development. One of our associates, like literally a family office gave him 500 million to go buy like, you know, a large chunk of property in Colorado, you know, and obviously I think what's happening is that the shift on the workflow is creating this frenzy for single family because now people feel, well, you know what I have, you know, I have some more opportunity costs. I'm not traveling. I have a little bit extra time. Maybe I have a couple extra bucks where I can upgrade from a rental apartment and get a home. So there's this frenzy for single families. I mean, I don't know how far it's going out, but it's probably happening around a lot of the cities. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, we're going to have obviously a drop but I actually think you're going to see residential real estate go to its all-time high. And I don't think it's going to come down for a few years. There'll be another adjustment. That's been my thought. You know, you know, there's only so many hours during a day. And, you know, I, I ask these questions. I'm like, oh, I should do a little more research. I just need like 28 <laughs> hours in today, you know? <laughs> but um, great questions. Great questions. Oh, my goodness. Well, darn, I should have held on to all my property. I let it go like four <laughs> years ago in California anyway. I don't know. I'm curious. Do you have any, do you invest only? locally like in new york and the jersey area or are you anywhere else in the u.s no no we have i, I have stuff in florida north carolina and you know i'm gonna start moving west but i've been primarily an, an east coast guy you know i i've always wanted to move but uh-huh. you know when you're when you're sitting there you're going okay well there are not many places where they're building high rise <laughs> i guess i'm like just try to get out of the city live my mom grew up in brooklyn you know and you know, we were in, you know, you know, New York, you know, every weekend and a little railroad apartment eating good Italian food. And you never know I was Italian, right? Van Lu. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. 
Well, you know, our specialty is multifamily syndication. And so we talk to people all the time about, you know, when you're looking at a multifamily property, this is what you should look for. Here's the cash flow that you want to, that you might expect. Here's the cycle, how it works. But often people, when we even roach the subject of development, people are like, oh, oh no, that's, that's scary. I don't, I don't know anything about that. That sounds risky. There's no cash flow there. You're building from the ground. What about the permits? What about the entire, like, and Julie and I don't know too much about this subject either. So we'd love to dig in. So when you're talking about doing a development syndication, what do you, what can people expect from that? What should they look for? What are the risks that are involved? Yeah. And you mean someone who's trying to do it, or do you mean someone who's investing in one, if you were doing it? Investing. So like as a passive investor, if I were to, if you were to bring me a deal that you were syndicating and I'm looking at this deal, how would I know if this is a good deal worth investing in? Yeah. Perfect question. So there's, you know, and and you guys are experts because, you know, it's, it's all about giving the investor the comfort level and his rate of returns and risk, et cetera. So on the development side, you know, from the sponsor side, you know, it's, it's nice because we get to pay ourselves. You know, we are taking a risk. We do have skin in the game, but if you're in a situation where you have deal flow and skin in the game and a little bit of track record, there's not a lot of friction in the process, right? Now, when, now, if you're going to compare like your investors to my investors, they're all, they all got the same cash, but they need to understand, you know, the, the slight difference is that with the real estate, you know, it's really, uh, you know, a, a higher risk and a higher reward. So, you know, on, on like my syndication that I just did, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay them probably like 55% return on their money. Mm-hmm. Now, the second part of it, which which keeps them 30% in the storage facility, and we do a power pass um, on the second raise, you know, their return will come down probably into the 27% range. And then as we pay down the mortgage, it just graduates. So there's, there's a very, I guess not a very, but a higher risk in the beginning because you, know, you can put seed money in, you know, we, we have, we have a million six at risk on this one property. If I can't get a treatment facility and water to the site, it's an Island that's kind of worth 13 million after I figure it out. And I will figure it out. Even if I got to shoot like a bullet across the highway, <laughs> like, <laughs> Like light bullet, I'm like, (laughs) and but yeah, like that's kind of it, you know, a higher risk, higher reward. You know, people need, you know, I would think not necessarily more of an education, but you know, you you, you want, I just always feel I like to, I like to tell people, like, you know, these are the five terms in the operating agreement that you should be looking at, (laughs) you know, instead of them, you know, just like, you know, like, what am I going to do with this 28 pages here, you know. thing but uh so just to clarify the in when you do it when an investor invests in a development deal usually there's no cash flow right it's it's you get a 55 percent return but it's not until the deal is done and developed correct or what does that look like correct so the whole idea is when you do these properties you want to buy them contingent upon approval right you you never want to you want to put minimal deposit down minimal money in you want to only spend your money on how do you get to approval to get the value. You know, fortunately, you know, I do that and I add in a development fee. So I'm actually paying myself. Now, true, mm-hmm. the investors don't get any money. We usually pay them a preferred return. Sometimes it'll go two years before they get any money on that and they accrue it. And then when there's the sale event or the refinance event and the rebuild, that's when they get their pref and they'll get a little kicker. It reduces their equity. And then it goes right into like a multifamily hold almost. You got cash flow, mm-hmm. then shooting for your next refi 
right, you looking at IRR and it kind of the same always when I tell people how you build a skyscraper, I'm like one floor at a time, just act like you're building 30 <laughs> houses, stacking them on top of each other. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I'm curious how in these development deals, you know, as we we're talking about, you said that there's a lot of risk in the beginning. What are some of the ways that you as the sponsor look to eliminate that risk? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you can't eliminate risk when it's like, like utility based, like, you know, I have to figure out to see if like the, the soil will perk because I have a 30, probably a 30,000 gallon need to get rid of sanitary sewage, which I don't have a pipe to connect into. Mm-hmm. I don't have a water source. So there's like, maybe I drill to a well, create a 30,000 gallon tank, set up a pumping station to provide sprinkler for the property. Like that's how I think, but there's a big risk in that first six months of what if I can't get the, the water? Right. So we're probably at risk, probably a good four, five, four hundred thousand dollars, and then after that, you know, we might not get what we want. But I know I'm going to get residential because I talked to the mayor. He needs affordable housing, but you know, I added risk, thinking like, well, you know what? I'll carve back a little residential. It'll give me a little three acres over here, so I could do a sixty thousand square foot storage that I'll have for free. And I'll create the sale event with 70 units instead of 80. Pay us, you know, 8.5. Like the numbers on this were acquire 4.5, get a deal at 150 a unit per townhome. You know, if I do 80 units, that's 10 million. If I do whatever, 65, that's eight. I'm 4.5, 1.6 in, so import 6.1, sell for 8.5, pay my investor back. Give my them brain a- calculator is like, wait, wait, what are those numbers? But keep going. <laughs> no, so basically just create that sale event, pay the investor back his money, And then you just have that whole free base, like zero basis pad to develop Mm -hmm. on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And why would, so talk a little bit about what type of investor wants to, would want to invest in a development deal. Like, well, who's the ideal person to invest in a development deal? Yeah. You know, and I don't know if there's an ideal avatar, the way it started for me, you know, you know, when I, when I like tee up an investor, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's some investors that you give them 6%, they're just happy, you know, more of a bond mentality. You give someone, Hey, if the thing, you know, falls out of bed, you know, I need 10, you know, then you got guys that, you know, like the game a little bit. So you're kind of playing around with people, but you know, most investors will be intrigued with this because it's something new. It's like a new shiny penny, you know, and you know, and of course, when you're having that conversation, I always reverse it and trying to find out, you know, what's your comfort level risk tolerance? Are you just in the market? Do you invest in real estate? You know, if the guy's coming in and, you know, he's just totally passive, you know, versus, hey, you know, I want to take a drive by one day and, you know, see how the uh, the steel, you know, installation's going. You know, you're just kind of playing it out. But I think from like a like a foundational standpoint, you can you can work any investor into a development investment. I, I believe I, I have a magical formula. So, you know, just by influencing people, but I honestly <laughs> feel that I could take them from hello to yes in any situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I don't know if that it gives you a little flavor. So, you know, almost anyone will fit in and, and you know, and, and just give it a shot. It's really just, I always say it's like a dance, you know, mm-hmm. you, you start the conversation and you just dance around a little bit. And next thing yeah, you know, yeah, nice, awesome. Yeah. No, it's always after talking with hundreds of investors now myself, I understand on the dance and the conversation and, and kind of the way it goes. I think um, it's always just about listening to 
what they have to say, you know, and you let them talk and you hear what their concerns are and you hear what their objections are to investing in the deal. Um, and, you know, you speak to those and, uh, you know, do your best to educate them at the end of the day is what it's what it's about. So yeah, I love it. Awesome. All right. Well, Annie, did you have anything else you want to ask Ken before we move on into the life and money impact round? Let's do it. I'm curious to hear his answers. All right. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. <laughs> All right. So first question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to li live a meaningful and intentional life by design? Yeah. So, you know, that's a great question. So I always gear my life around my perfect Tuesday, you know, not mm -hmm. a vacation day, not anywhere extraordinary, but where I get to wake up, do my morning routine, which is usually a, a workout. I you know, I then meditate, I cleanse myself, you know, I then fuel my body. And, uh, you know, I, I just like to kind of, I have my time blocked out, but just kind of living and then spending some time with my wife at lunch, maybe go playing some sports in the afternoon, you know, being at home again, getting in touch with the kids. That's kind of like my perfect life that I created for myself, you know, and I just call it the perfect Tuesday, you know, it doesn't have to yeah. be extraordinary, but it's just where I feel great about myself and I'm having some fun because it's really like I mentioned earlier about paying it forward and provided I'm, as Tony Robbins says, you know, serving my six human needs and growing yeah. and contributing, you know, mm -hmm. as far as like love and connection and significance, those are, <laughs> you know, on the side and certainty and uncertainty or, you know, just something that you're certain when you're comfortable with uncertainty, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. You're speaking our language. I mean, Annie and I just came off of what was it? Life Mastery. We, we just went to last weekend and uh, did Date with Destiny back in November, did UPW back in October. We've got another UPW coming up and all of that is so key to, um, you know, living, living a meaningful life. So I love all of that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Second question is, what is one life or money hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives right now? Yeah, I have to say, you know, take a look at the formula because it's a multitude of hacks on really how to look at anything in life, you know, find fun and facilitating, whether it's a business or real estate, it obviously has the details related to real estate. But I mean, a money hack to me is, you know, you know, definitely get in real estate, right? You know, you have to have, a, you know, you can create a diversification in real estate and I like it because it's more tangible. And, you know, I, I would say that and, you know, try the formula, you know, keep, keep in mind, you know, that, you know, there's, there's a process mastery and that starts with mirror and modeling people. So, you know, feel free to mirror and model me and set up measuring and, you know, you vertically innovate into what you want. I, in the beginning of my career, I would horizontally innovate. I'd know everybody, but I would never vertically innovate and build that deep learning relationship with people. And, you know, and I just found that when you beat the, when you build that deep learning relationship and have like this rapport, you know, they want to work with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. We, in a lot of our, you know, relationships that we've created in the space and partners that we've worked with, we've definitely chosen to hone in on a couple of relationships that we feel are very valuable to us. And, and we, you know, really value those and they value us as well. So, you know, can't agree with that more. All right. Last question is what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Yeah. I mean, the purpose of the modern wealth building formula was, I mentioned it briefly, to help people financially, but to truly bring everybody that either crosses my path or has an opportunity to, to bring them to their greatness so that they can pay it forward. 
and feel the appreciation that you get when you have the opportunity to help others. So I'm really just trying to bring every person I meet to their greatness and whatever way I can do to help them get there. That's my true why in life. Well, to all our listeners, you heard it. Ken's standing by. He's waiting to bring you to your greatness. So Ken, tell everybody what's the best place they can go to engage with you, learn more about you and follow up. Yeah, sure. Just easiest way. I'm simple to get in touch with. Go to KenVanLu.com and there's a discover now button that'll lead you to a free 45 minute strategy call. We can hang out, talk, See how I can help you pay it forward. Ken, thank you so much for being here with us, sharing your experience and your infinite wisdom today. Well, to be with two brilliant women like yourself, it was just amazing, Annie and Julie. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.